This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. From MPB Think Radio, this is In Legal Terms, the show all about you and your rights. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Hey, are, is your favorite time of the year, is this your favorite time of the year? The trees are budding, the bushes are blooming, and individual income taxes are due. And uh, you can think of it as a chore, or maybe it's a fun puzzle, or part stroll down memory lane of everything you did during the past year. We've got some some tips to help it make it easier for you. Hello, Professor Gershon. How are you? Good morning, Liz. And I want to get this out of the way. Uh, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Uh, my my son got his master's in math from uh, Kansas University of Kansas, and. Uh, very happy for their victory last night in the uh, in the NCAA championship. So I got that out of the way, um, and uh, now I get to talk about tax, and that's exciting. Um, and you know, you mentioned. I mean, I think especially now we look at uh, you know the happenings in the world, and we're all really very fortunate to to live in this country. Uh, you know, uh, despite some of its issues. I mean, with this is you know, I, I can't imagine a better place to be and uh, and so part of our obligations and you know to, to, to pay into our system to help you know support our country uh, through our tax system and uh, you know we get benefits from being here there you know with benefits come some responsibilities as well and one of ours is to report our income and to pay our taxes so uh, I'm always happy to talk about tax law with you. And you will get to this a little bit later, but when you are perusing your year, it is kind of fun to to go back through and see how generous you've been or how you are grateful to have had medical coverage or, you know, looking, I like to go through the bank statements and through the charge cards receipts to refresh my memory on where my money went. And it, it, it's kind of a stroll down memory lane when you start going through all of your receipts. Exactly. And, and you still have some opportunities until, uh, until it's time to file to even uh, fund a, uh, a retirement plan if you haven't done that yet. So we could talk more about that as we go through the show. So those are there, there's still some things you can do, and that's important as well. Well, when we, uh, but, when we talk about ahead. the calendar, you know, New Year's Day is always January 1st, and Independence Day is always the 4th of July, and it used to be that tax day was always April 15th, but not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, one reason this year, April 15th, happens to be Good Friday, and I think that was one reason why uh, it was decided to move the date back to April 18th, which is the Monday following Good Friday, Easter, the beginning of Passover, you know, lots of things going on about the same time then. Well, so, I, um, I think it's also a holiday for the District of Columbia. Oh, I did that. That one I was not aware I, of. I think they have decided to make April 15th a holiday. So now the taxes are due the first date after April, the first business day after April 15th. 
Well, now, you know, it used to be you had to drive to the air, airport uh, post office at the very last minute to be the last person to file your return. But now, fortunately, with most of us, I hope filing electronically these days. Uh, you can even wait till the last second, but there, I wouldn't recommend that. Um, it's good to go ahead and get them done. But April 18th is the date it's due. Now, one thing, though, let's say you can't get them done by April 18th. Does that mean you're in serious trouble? And the answer is no. Um, you can get an automatic extension. Um, and there's no late penalty for the return for that extension. So you can have till October 15, 2022, if you really just can't get uh, things together. I'm always surprised by how many people who just wait and decide they want to get an extension just because they waited. Um, and so it's, you're just putting off the pain until, until October. So for some people, though, it's if, if you run your own business or something like that, sometimes it's hard to get everything together, and it gives you that little bit of extra time. So you have till October 15, 2022, with that automatic extension. Um, and you do need to file for that extension. So how, how do you, to get an automatic extension, you just file something that says uh, that? Right, you just ask for an extension, and it is automatic. I mean, it, so there's really, even though the deadline is April 18th, one thing to think about is the IRS is an entity uh, that will all of a sudden be deluged by all these returns from us. Bless their heart. Their, exactly. And, uh, and usually it takes them, uh, you know, maybe even a couple of years to really look at those returns from this year. Uh, they have three years from the time the return is due to evaluate our returns. So they're not going to get to them right away. And so it's kind of like, well, okay, if you get them in by October, you know, we won't, we won't penalize you. We just, we just need that information because they, it's the honor system, you know, for the most part. I mean, they, they may be able to know what, what we have in our bank accounts and other things like that, just because the banks have to report that. But for a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, people who run their own businesses, uh, you know, people who sell goods at the, uh, the local uh, farmers market, uh, for example, it's it's up to us to report that, and they don't have that information unless we give it to them. So we could do a whole nother show, or four shows on one, how to reform IRS because they get most of our individual tax information. So why do individuals need to? Uh, why do individuals need to fill out any forms? And then two. That poor IRS, you know, if, if our country is as broken and is in debt as it should be, they, sh they need to hire some more tax collectors to help collect all the taxes. Agreed. I mean, they are understaffed. There is no question about it. And, um, and so that does affect their ability to, uh, to monitor and enforce the tax law. Um, and, uh, and, you know, so it, it, that's, I think that's an important, important point. The other thing is I think a lot of people have said, well, with blockchain and, and some of the, the technologies that we have that are more secure, um, maybe uh, at least for those of us who are mostly on or employed and having our employers withhold and paying our Social Security through our employer, uh, which is a lot of the most of the people in America, that their taxes would just be done automatically uh, you know, for them, and they wouldn't have to have to go back. So they, if they get a refund, it would just come uh, and cut down on some of the paperwork. Uh, for businesses, people who are self-employed, it would still be something that would have to be more complicated because a lot of times they don't have that information unless we report it. Our crack research team of Jay White uh, reminded me that 
the Emancipation Day is a regional government holiday observed in Washington, D.C. Emancipation Day is celebrated on the weekday nearest April 16th. So it's it's celebrated on Friday the 15th, so that means our taxes are due on the 18th. It's so interesting. I guess April 15th is a holiday for lots of, lots of people this year, so... Uh, but you know that I I, I am uh, st- I'm still working on our taxes, so I can't I won't criticize anybody who hasn't done them yet. But good to go ahead and get them in, and uh, if you can, uh, it's it's a mu- it's much more secure. The IRS prefers that you file them electronically, uh, and uh, and there are ways to file free electronically. I I will confess I am. I am also in the middle of filing mine. I haven't just hit that enter button. I like to do the whole thing, and then I kind of let it settle with me for just a little bit. I reminded myself, you can make a contribution to an IRA for 2021 and 2022, you know, before April 15th. 18th and that is gets into deductibility possibly but we also were going to do some Roth ones which isn't the same thing for deductibility but in my mind it kind of is so we just haven't quite hit the enter button on that yet if you're wondering why we haven't had any phone calls yet that's because Professor Gershon and I we're just going to talk amongst ourselves for a bit this morning but then in a little while we will be interrupted because it is in addition to tax season it's pledge drive season and we will welcome you and let you know how you can contribute at mpbonline.org to fund our show maybe with your tax return that I know a lot of people have already gotten theirs. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the extension. The the one more thing, uh, that's just the extension you get for filing but if you're due, you still do? Right. I mean, so yeah, that is just for filing your return. The taxes are actually due by the end of 2021 for 2021. So if you haven't paid your taxes um, in time and, there, and you don't get an extension for paying your taxes just because you get an extension to file your return, you may get a penalty for underpayment. Um, and typically, uh, the penalty will come in if, if I, let's say, for example, I'm, I'm running my own business and I, I paid the same amount of taxes uh, in 2021 that I had paid in 2020, then I probably won't have an underpayment penalty as long as I paid by the end of, uh, by the end of 2021. Uh, um, but, you know, if you're, if you're, if you owe more than 10%, um, you know, of, of tax, if you still owe money, uh, in 2022 for 2021, if that amount is more than 10 percent, I'm being inartful about this because it's pretty there's more complexity to that than that. Then you need to think about doing estimated taxes because you could uh, incur a penalty, an underpayment penalty. So taxes are due really at the end of 2021 for 2021, even though your return for 2021 is not due until April of 2021. Some so things a- that you might not be able to prepare for, such as if you sell stock at a gain during the year and that you owe taxes on that, 
would it, do you think it would, in your opinion, would it be a good idea to pay an estimated tax sometime during the year if you notice you've got a, 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 a windfall on that? Or if you have had withheld from your regular job your same amount as last year, are you still okay? Yeah, if it's a one-time thing, unless it depends on the amount of money, honestly. I mean, you know, if it's a, if it's a large capital gain that you have, capital gains are taxed at a lower rate, and for most of us, that'll be 15%, so it's going to be a lower rate of tax. But you still want to, uh, if it's a large capital gain, I would certainly, if it's going to increase your tax liability uh, to a large extent, I would go ahead and do a, an estimated payment. I mean, the people who need to make estimated payments really are people who run their own businesses, so, uh, you know, if someone is uh, uh, running their own business, they are a self-employed individual, they're not having anything withheld during the year, they need to either do uh, quarterly estimates so that they're paying, you know, a portion of their tax each quarter, which would include their Social Security payment because uh, they have to pay uh, self-employment tax, which is essentially FICA tax. So, um, you know, you and I, Liz, we're employed, so our, our employers kick in a portion of our Social Security, a portion of our Medicare tax, a portion of you know the other taxes that that we have to pay uh, for FICA, but um, but if you're self-employed, you got to pay your own. Uh, you do get a deduction on your return of half of that amount uh, against your income taxes, but you still have to pay that. So those are all things that someone should should be thinking about doing an estimated uh, tax payment, either on a schedule or you could just make a, a, a big payment to the IRS website prior to the end of the year. And that would be considered a timely payment as well. And we are not anybody's tax accountant, folks. So we're giving you ideas to bring up with yours, but you need to check with your own representation. Thank you for listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio and for choosing MPB as your station for news and ideas. It means a lot to us and the community at large that a nonprofit station like MPB can thrive in such a crowded media landscape. You make that happen through your contributions. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. Look at your vehicle, think of MPB. Need to get rid of your ride? Donate it by calling 877-MPB, the number four car. Need to have some work done on your truck? Listen to AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10, Saturdays at 11. An MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together. This is In Legal Terms. Not everybody has a chance to listen to our show live, so if you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. This morning, we are talking about Professor Gershon's favorite law topic, Texas. Yay! Now, one of the things I think that they have done, uh, it's, uh, oh, let's let's talk a little bit more about extensions. You were going to mention something about that. 
Yeah, I'm, so, I'm sorry to butt in. I just I wanted to make sure I, I mentioned the, the return. The thing, you do have to ask for that automatic extension, and you're going to file a form 4868. And by the way, um, if, if you don't mind, if we can post the irs.gov website um, on our, uh, our uh, webpage you know, for the show because there's so much great information. If you have any questions at all, the website is fantastic. They've got publications that walk you through. You can type in whatever your question is. Um, and it'll tell you information, uh, it'll give you the forms you need to file. I think it's really super helpful. 4868 is the application for the automatic extension. So if you can't get your taxes done by April 18th, your return done by 18th, and you need till the October 15th, you can get this automatic extension, but you gotta file for it. And you got to do an estimate of your total tax liability. So you're gonna have to do some work. You can't just say, I'm just gonna put it off until until uh, I'll, I'll start working on it in October. You have to have uh, done enough so that you can estimate where your tax liability is and send that in and make sure that you've also paid taxes because this will not extend the time uh, to pay your taxes. So I'm sorry, Liz, I just wanted to make sure we got that, that information in there. You're not interrupting, it's your show. And that form has only about four lines on it. it it's very short, it's very easy. They want to make it easy. They, they want people to, it's an automatic extension. So, um, but um, you gotta let them know you're asking for more time. You know, and, and so that's right. Well, one of the one of the good things that I think that has happened with the Internal Revenue Service in the last few years is to make this standard deduction, deduction uh, pretty big. No matter how much TurboTax wants to know about all of your medical expenses, if you don't think you spent twenty five thousand dollars on it, then you know you don't need to to get into that. So tell us a little bit about the standard deduction for twenty twenty one tax returns well it goes uh to twenty five thousand one hundred dollars uh, which is up uh for married this is a married couple twenty five thousand one hundred dollars that's up for three hundred dollars from uh, the 2020 returns and for single taxpayers um and married individuals filing separately the standard deduction ri rises to uh twelve thousand five fifty which is one half of that so um uh so twenty five thousand one hundred is a deduction that we all get to start off with if we don't itemize, if we're married. If we're single, we get 12550 uh, as a deduction. And so, um, you know, that is, that's good in some respects. Where it's not necessarily good is it means that before you would elect to itemize deductions, if you're a married couple, you would need to have more than $25,100 to itemize. So if you think about it, let's say I'm a, I'm a taxpayer who for some fortunate reason I'm married, and I don't have anything that I that I spend on things that would be deductible. I still get that $25,100 itemized, a standard deduction. If I'm somebody who uh, is instead, I've got I'm paying a home mortgage, and I'm and I'm making gifts to charity, and I'm uh, you know I've got some uh, state taxes I'm paying, and I get a deduction for those. If I spend. $25,200 of, of what would be deductible uh, items, I'd basically only get an extra $100 of deduction, All right? So it's really, I, so I've spent money and gotten only $100 more deduction than the person who didn't have to spend any of that money. So it's, it's great, it cuts down on paperwork is really the, the idea behind the increased standard deduction. Um, it should cut on down on, on people's taxes, if, if, especially uh, if the lower end of, uh, you know, of, of income. Um, but if you want to itemize, it gives you a higher threshold. Well, and 
as since I work for a uh, nonprofit organization, one of our big boosts was to say, you know, make your contribution. It's tax deductible. I think a lot of not-for-profits need to find another hook to make sure people do continue their contributions to food pantries or religious organizations or pet shelters or what other kind of they they have to be more selfless cuz unless you're going to give them $12,550 or you know 25,100 as a as a couple you need to have a more pure motive i guess well, and most fortunately, most people do. Mississippi is a very generous state, as as MPB knows, and and really, people are not just doing it for tax reasons. Uh, you know, a lot of people who don't itemize are very charitable in the state, and we're fortunate for that. So they're giving for other reasons, as you mentioned, and that's a good thing. But one thing is that um, what what Congress left in uh, kind of as a little bit of an incentive is for a cash contribution, only cash contributions, not. When I take a bunch of stuff to Goodwill and they ask me for an estimate of what it's worth, that kind of thing, um, which is still good. Um, but uh, if cash contributions, you can uh, give up to $600 that will be deductible. You don't have to itemize that. That will be in addition to your standard deduction as a, a contribution. So one good place to, to, to give that would be to be a sustaining member of MPV, for example, or uh, some other charitable organization. I happen to work for one, too, that would be happy uh, to receive uh, that money. Uh, so when they say cash contributions, of course they mean a visa uh, contribution. Does that count stock? It, it does not okay. count stock. So it, can, it would be, yes, yeah, if you, you could pay with credit card, you could pay with uh, gift card, uh, you, know, you know, now, I mean, like, all the different ways to transfer money that don't require actual cash. That's fine. But stock, you know, you mentioned stock. Actually, for people who, uh, you, you mentioned uh, your, your, uh, if you had a, a stock that you wanted to sell during the year, I mean, one thing to think about is if I only paid, let's say, let's say I paid a dollar for a share of stock and it was worth $1,000, I could sell that stock and, and pay taxes on the gain and still come out way ahead, so not, not a bad deal. But if I give that if I give that stock to charity, I get a thousand dollar contribution, even though I only paid a dollar to stock, and I never have to pay tax on that gain. So, you know, that is something that uh, people should consider if they want to make charitable contributions, property that otherwise they'd have to pay tax on if they sold it, uh, that has gone up in value, is a great gift to charity. And then the charity is tax exempt, so it can sell that that stock, that land, or whatever you want to contribute. It can sell it and not have to pay tax on it. So that's a a double good deal. We are talking today with Professor Gershon about our is our uh, individual income taxes that are due April 18th. We're not taking your phone calls because we hope you'll take this time to go to mpbonline.org to make your charitable contribution to Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Let's talk uh, a little bit about if you decide maybe you're super generous or you have a really expensive house and you uh, don't take a standard deduction, what kind of things should you keep up with when you itemize? Well, you mentioned the house. That's really, I think, probably the, what puts people in a better, the best position as a starting point to even think about itemizing 
is their home mortgage deduction. Um, and uh, I mean, interest rates have been pretty low uh, on home mortgages, so people's uh, payments may not be uh, as high. And it's only the interest that you get to deduct, not your principal payment and things like that. Um, you can deduct uh, a limited amount of your state property and state income taxes. Um, uh, that that has been uh, stopped at ten thousand dollars worth of taxes, uh, so there are some limits there. Um, charitable deductions, as you as you mentioned, charitable contributions, um, and uh, and those are the primary ones. So uh, you know that's a uh, those are things to consider. So what you want to do is make sure you just keep records. Um, and if you run your own business, you probably, for a lot of your deductions, you don't have to itemize. Those are, those are deductions you can take directly from your business income. So if I, if I am a, a person who has a, a separate business, let's say I'm, I'm, I'm selling uh, vegan baked goods on the side, um, uh, and, uh, and I, I can, the cost of uh, my equipment that I have to use, I can uh, deduct part of the cost of that. I can uh, also, uh, my, the, my flour and things like that, I have to put into um, my flax meal or whatever, I have to buy to, to make my, my, my baked goods. Yeah, I can expense immediately against the income I make from that, that business. So um, business income is different. You can deduct the expenses of that business directly against the business income, and you don't have to itemize. Fantastic. La, now, I mentioned a little bit about uh, IRA contributions and other retirement plans. They give you a, l a couple of extra months to make sure you do prioritize uh, contributing to retirement plans. So uh, talk to us a little bit about um, IRAs and, and how much you can do and when you can do it and the limits. And really, if you want to know, uh, there are um, lots of different specific rules. So I'm, I'm going to refer people to the IRS website. And if you look up uh, retirement topics, IRA contribution limits, it will give you all the specific ones because it's going to depend. And it's going to depend on whether you have a, a, a retirement plan through work. So, for example, because the university contributes to my retirement plan, I contribute to my retirement plan through the university. I cannot have a separate IRA, I, I, I passed that limit. But let's say I was someone who um, was self-employed and I wanted to start my own uh, retirement plan. I, I could uh, create um, my own retirement plan. It could be something called a SEP IRA, which is a really a self-employment plan or simplified employment plan um, that allows me also, if I have an employee, to contribute for them as well. Uh, but if I just want to create an IRA, if I've just got income and I don't have a, an employer plan, I can put uh, $6,000 in to that plan by April 18 and deduct it for 2020, 2021, I mean. Um, or say if you're 50 and older, they want to give us a chance to catch up. So you can uh, contribute $7,000 and that will be deductible. So that, with that it's a tax shelter. That's a tax shelter. You're taking income that would have been taxable, putting it aside, it can grow uh, tax deferred, you get a deduction for it. It's a really, really good thing to think about. Um, you mentioned Roth IRAs before, and uh, those are uh, those are different. Those are uh, you take uh, income that's already been taxed and put it into a Roth IRA. You don't get a deduction for that. If you want to convert a current IRA to a Roth IRA, you have to pay tax on the untaxed part of your IRA. I mean, part of the, the benefit of an IRA is it continues to grow tax deferred until you take it out. 
And when you start taking money out, that's when you pay tax on the increase and that you know and the full amount because you deducted what you put in there. Uh, but if you've got uh, a Roth IRA, then you pay the taxes now put the money into a Roth, and then when you take the money out, it, none of it's taxable. Even the growth is not taxable. Um, and so, go ahead, Leslie. It looks like you have a question. Because we are, I want to get to more about the IRAs. I also awesome. don't want us to forget spousal IRAs, because that's how I started my investing. We produce this show for the love of Mississippi. Thank you for listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Our spring on-air fundraising campaign is on, and we're asking you to contribute to MPB for the love of Mississippi. It's important that we hear from you right now while you have just a few minutes to spare. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. Thank you for being part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, find our show on the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel or on the MPB Public Media app. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. At 11 a.m. Central on Tuesdays following our over-the-air broadcast, you can hear Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. We're getting some tax tips from our favorite tax guru, Professor Gershon. Now, he is not your tax expert. He's just kind of a general guru, and we're giving you some ideas to spur you on to decide what's right for you when you speak with your tax professional or you do your own turbo taxing. And right as we were ending the last segment, I mentioned how uh, when I was a stay-at-home mom, we contributed money to a spousal IRA for me. Yes, that's right. And, and really, um, I'm so glad you, you mentioned, by the way, that this is, and you got to, people talk to, have talked to their own specific advisors because your situation was different than other people's would be. And what, what people talk about the complexity of the Internal Revenue Code, it's complex only because we are, right? And there are so many different ways to conduct businesses and so many different ways that we uh, cre create income and collect income. And now, you know, there's cryptocurrency and other things that they have to deal with. So I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that because rather than trying to give all the rules for IRAs, which would take us more than an hour, um, I think it's uh, what we can do for our listeners is to talk to them about you know, the IRS website, which does irs.gov is great. And this I'm looking at uh, retirement slash uh, hyphen plans slash IRA slash deductive limits, or you could just Google IRS IRA deduction limits, and you'll get to this page, and it gives you all the deduction limits. So, for example, for 2021, there's a link you can click for IRA deduction if you are covered by a retirement plan at work. So if, you're, if your employer uh, contributes or you contribute to a retirement plan at work, there are different limits for you, for your IRA. There's an IRA deduction if you're not covered by a retirement plan at work. And as, as Liz talked about, that will also talk about spousal IRAs too, because even if a spouse doesn't have their own compensation, they can contribute to an IRA if they fall under uh, these limits. Uh, as your income gets higher and your employer contributions get higher, you probably won't be able to contribute to an IRA. Well, you and I are also big folks on Twitter. Well, we are big on Twitter 
we're not big in Twitter. Anyway, whatever it is, we like to hop on Twitter to see what folks are talking about. And I think the IRS Twitter feeds, their multiple accounts, they're just hilarious and they're cute. They have a security, uh, uh, something at IRS security, and it talks about how to keep all of your digital information secure. Lots of great tips on there. They have news releases, but then they just have their regular IRS tweets that might spur you to remember, oh, wait, I can do this or I can do that or that applies to me or I should remind my mom about something else. So if you do happen to have a Twitter account, look at the IRS's Twitter feeds, especially that security. They will remind you of some good practices to have with your data and how you can feel safe that your information won't get stolen. It's really important. And, um, and so, yeah, and I think that's, especially as we're sending more returns and more information through the Internet, uh, those, those returns have all of our financial information plus our Social Security numbers. You know, so um, we have to be especially careful in transmitting that information. Just on our uh, another MPB show, Money Talks, we played It's a Numbers Game, and our host, Kevin Farrell, threw out some numbers for our experts, and they had to say what that meant to them. And one of the things they talked about was 72 and a half, which was a trick question because it's not 72 and a half anymore. That gets into when you can withdraw your money from your IRA. And there's all kinds of rules for that. What are some things folks need to take into consideration when they're thinking, hmm, there's a big pile of money over there. I would like to grab some of that. Well, there are penalties for early withdrawals. I mean, this, the, the, it's, we're kind of making a deal with the IRS when we take an IRA deduction, and that is, or when you, take a, 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 when you don't have to report income, uh, that you put into your employer plan, and you don't have to put the report income that your employer puts into your plan uh, if you have a, a, a plan through your employment. Well, our deal is that's deferred compensation. So we will take that out at a later date. It's designed to supplement Social Security. We're all a little bit worried that Social Security may or may not be there when we retire. So Congress has given us generous ways to uh, create our own uh, retirement plans through IRAs and through our employer retirement plans. And we're saying we won't take that money now. And, and the, the government is saying, okay, then we won't tax that money now. We'll tax it when you take it out. But the assumption is you're going to take it out at a later time, past the age of 55, and that's when the penalty goes away. Um, but, and there is a 10% penalty for early withdrawal. Don't do that. You know, don't do that to pay pay a bill. That's that is really a steep penalty. Plus, you're cutting into um, any of the, and you got to pay tax on what you take out too. So it's 10% penalty plus the tax. So it's it's not a good thing to break into your retirement plan. Now there are some emergencies. You know, there were if, if um, when when there are uh, uh, disasters and things like that, Congress will. Uh, loosen those rules if someone has to take from their retirement plan during a national emergency or something like that there are there are times that uh, those are allowed now there are also times you have to start taking it out um and so so you the, can't the take it deal, out too early but you can't leave it in there forever you can't leave it in forever because it's deferred compensation that will eventually be taxable and what congress was concerned about is people will build up these big retirement plans 
and, and pass them to the next generation without ever having been taxed on them. Uh, and then that next generation will pay tax, but typically maybe at a lower rate and down the road. Um, and it's be actually become a, a, a kind of a serious problem with Roths because there's a, a lot of wealth being generated by Roth IRAs that are, will never be taxed. Um, and I think they, they've you know, far surpassed what Congress expected. Um, so people are saving, which is a good thing, but you have to take it out. And in fact, if you inherit an IRA, one of the things you have to be mindful of is there are rules about you have to take that money out over a 10-year period uh, if you've gotten inherited it in, in the last year or so. Prior to that, you could take it out over your lifetime, but it had, you had mandatory distributions that had to come out that were taxable. So Congress doesn't want us just to defer that income forever. They want us to defer it, and then at some point we have to start taking it out, and that's your 72 and a half. Now, you could still contribute to an IRA even after 72 and a half because I plan to continue working uh, until then. Yeah, lots so, of uh, rules. And, you know, you mentioned the inheriting. It's different if you're the spouse. It's different if you're a minor. All kinds of rules. And there's also different rules if it's an IRA versus a Roth IRA of when you can take the money out and what you can use it for. That's right. That's right. And so, you know, Roth, Roth IRAs are really um, – their benefit is while you pay the taxes up front, then you have more flexibility at the end and you can they can grow tax-free uh, and you're not taxed. So you're kind of paying the tax up front. The, the typical traditional IRA, you're deferring the tax until you take the money out. And the idea was typically as we go into retirement, we're going to be in lower income tax brackets. Um, and so that's why you know deferring until we take the money out in retirement uh, may make sense. The truth is they both work out about the same. Uh, if you do the calculations, if you do the time value of money calculation, um, paying the taxes up front, you're losing the use of that money for the time that you have the Roth. Paying the taxes on the, the back end, uh, you owe the taxes on the back end, but you got the use of the full money the entire time. And the IRS, it's, you know, we're playing with, uh, it, it's, it's like betting against the casino. They, they got it figured out. And so um, Roths may give some advantage to some, some situations, but they're about the same. They're both good to invest in. Though. They're both good to invest in. One of the points I don't think our money talks, it's a numbers game, was able to get to is if you're under 50, you can make one kind of contribution to your IRA. But if you're over 50, you can put in a little bit more because you're getting closer to retirement, a catch-up amount. That's right. And I think Congress was concerned because they did some uh, research uh, and found that uh, we really were not saving. Lots of folks aren't saving. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, it, the incentive was, okay, well, if you're 50, then you're getting closer, and we need to give you a little bit more latitude to even contribute more money to try to catch up. Uh, and so that's that also applies to employer plans. Um, I am past 60, 50 myself, and so I can contribute more to my employer plan uh, than I could if I were uh, younger. Um, and so, you know, if you have, if you can take advantage of that, do so. Um, it's, you know, whatever. I always tell my students, you know, I know, and my children, you know, you may not have a lot of money to put away right away, you know, because you're, you're trying just to, to get by a day to day. But if you, whatever you can put aside for retirement is good. And especially if your employer is going to match your, your, uh, your, your, whatever you put in, 
that you got to do that. That's that's well worth it. Now we've only got a minute and a half left, and one other thing let's get to is uh, 529s accounts. That's how when my little kids were babies in the the 2000s, I wasn't sure. If they were going to be going to a Mississippi state school, my husband, neither my husband nor I did, and we kind of thought they might want to go out and see the world. So we chose to put it money away in a 529. Remind us about those. 529s are, are great because they grow uh, tax-deferred as well, um, and ultimately uh, it can you can take a state a Mississippi state tax deduction if you're if you go with the Mississippi 529 plan but the, the idea is that the money in that account is to be used for educational expenses so um, any mandatory fees that the student has to pay their tuition um, and you want to have the 529 paid directly to the institution uh, and then that money's not taxed so you get to leverage what the money that you put in plus however it grows over the time from the time your child is born to the time they're getting ready to go to college at 18 you'll have money that can help pay for their college uh, and if your child decides not to go to college it can pay for your grandchildren it can pay for anyone it doesn't have to be even though that child's name will be on that account it's not required that that child be the one to use that money. Yeah, with mine, I, I, what, what number one didn't use, we shoved into number two's account. What number two didn't use, we shoved into number three. Well, we've run out of time. So thank you. Thank you to our host, Professor Richard Gershon. I'm Liz Gill. In Legal Terms is brought to you by MPB listeners who are also supporters. This is radio for the community, supported by the community. Give now on our phone number, 888-372-4483, or do your part at mpbonline.org. It is our spring on-air fundraising campaign. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.